Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. And joining us today is my buddy, Will McCall. He is the president and CEO of the Dallas Leadership Foundation, an organization that unlocks leadership in challenged communities with long-term collaborative transformation, thus allowing families to strengthen and to flourish. Will, how are you doing? Doing great, Chris. Thanks for asking. How about you? I'm doing just fine. I have to say thank you right off the bat because the last time I saw you, you actually did something special for me. When they were inducting me into the Texas Boxing Hall of Fame, you are the only person that has it on video, and you were able to capture that for me. And now I've got something that I'll never throw away. The family loves you, too. Thanks, Will. My pleasure. It was an honor to be there with you, an honor to know you. And we, along, let me speak for the boxing community, the, the sports community, the Dallas community, are so grateful that you are a part of our lives and you've been a part of our lives for so many years. Man, I appreciate you. Just time just flies and goes by. Next thing you know, they put you in a Hall of Fame or two or three. Hey, let's not talk about me. I want to talk about the Dallas Leadership Foundation. And let's just start off generically saying, what is a leadership foundation for those who don't know about leadership foundations? Because they're in quite a few communities in the country. That's right. Uh, Thanks for asking that question. Leadership Foundation is an organization that we, we are a global organization. Mm-hmm. We have about 50 different uh, chapters between the continental United States, Asia, and Africa in particular. Wow. And um, we focus on connecting leaders, connecting to leaders, connecting leaders to their passion, supporting them, and uh, just helping them to create joint projects. So we transform communities in ways that bring tangible benefit to those communities that those leaders serve. And we're very focused on bringing uh, contextual benefit Mm -hmm. based on benefit based on the culture that we're called to serve. So the way we serve in Dallas is vastly different than the way my friend uh, Abishake serves in Delhi. Right. same thing that we have in the thing we have in common we are a christian organization so we follow christian principles we don't beat people over the head with scripture but that is our motivation and secondly we believe those closest to the problem are closest to the solution so we work to ensure they have the greatest voice when we start developing solutions together that is fantastic i, I just found the numbers here the leader foundations The global network impacts 42 cities around the world. That is very, very impressive. And the way I look at it, you tell me and and tweak how I'm saying this. You guys are doing this organically. This is not, you know, something that a a, a city's mayor or somebody's city council would, uh, would say, let's do this. This is sort of organic, which allows you guys to uh, match, like you said, the culture to what the benefits are with this leadership foundation. You're absolutely right. It is organic. And um, we, 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 we believe in working with mayor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I first started this, I didn't know the mayor. Now I do know the mayor, known a few. We have an excellent mayor, real supporter, city council people. And in our cities, you know, some people know the mayor, some people know the business leaders, and some mm-hmm. people don't. What our job is to be that conduit between those who have the uh, visible uh, leadership positions and those who have the community leadership positions who aren't seen in right. the school, neighborhoods, mm-hmm. in the prisons, um, you know, wherever they are, the, the official and unofficial. Right. And we, our job is to uh, be a, a conduit, a tie, a bridge, a partner 
to all of those groups and 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 then be make sure that we all have a listening ear to the end user of our services so we are designing from the point of view of the people we're called to serve and some of the people as you mentioned they're not necessarily the mayor and shout out to and major props to uh, mayor eric johnson of dallas but it's Amen. also you guys are kind of like the connection because these leaders they may be oh an educator a great teacher it may be it may be a pastor it may be the choir director it may be some guy that's rounded up the kids and 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 is a guy in the in the neighborhood that always does stuff out of the park and he's got the ear of the community or it might even be a coach mhm that's exactly it so you know and and like and I left pastors out churches play a huge part in Dallas, not mm-hmm. in every city, right? But in Dallas, they play a huge part because our pastors are big or bigger than the mayor. So, <laughs> yeah, if you see some of those so, mega churches down I twenty, you know what right. we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Everywhere, extremely supportive, and they mm-hmm. do phenomenal work with and without DLF. Um, and but but people like a Miss Coleman uh, in South Dallas, Miss yeah. Hill in East Dallas, Mister Jefferson in Hamilton Park. Uh, we have all these different leaders uh, that are in the neighborhood that you would not know right away. But if you pay attention to what's happening in the city now, mm-hmm. I just mentioned those and and say like a Lindra Lyons, they all have been in the paper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when I first met them, they may not have been as known and it's definitely not DLF and not me who's made them more notable, notable. Uh, in, in all honesty, a few of them, I was in a, back in the day, I was introducing them to, say, the chief of police. Now they introduce me and they bring me in and say, hey, well, you need to know someone. Come on in because of the great work that they're doing. So, um, yeah, there, there are people who are out here doing phenomenal things. Youth workers, pe- young people in the schools that are doing phenomenal work. Mm-hmm. And our job is to create an environment for them to ex- exercise their leadership gift that allows people in those challenged communities, in those challenged schools, in the challenging environment of a prison, which literally happens, mm-hmm. that allows the people around them, their friends and their families to flourish. And we have we have we have leaders like that in spades all across the North Texas area. You mentioned prison. You have programs where people can reconnect with their communities after they have done some time or rehabilitated uh, whatever they paid their, they paid their dues or whatever through the prison system and they need opportunity to reconnect, not only do things for their family, but their friends, but reconnect to their community and actually grow that community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm very impressed with that program. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we have a, a transitional home, First, we work inside Hutchins State Jail. We run a faith-based building. Mm-hmm. We're responsible for 232 beds inside the prison. We spend just gobs of time with those men, developing their leadership skills, developing their servant leader skills. You can't lead if you don't serve. You can't serve if you don't love. That's how we live. And so we work on that. And then we walk with our brothers when they come out. And back into society, we have a transitional home in East Dallas. We have a network of transitional homes that we work with and we connect them to all the things they need to get back on track, get their you know, certificates, all the things that you need to get back on track. And then we work through substance recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get ready for work. And so we're putting guys in training and they're doing workforce development and putting them in jobs, making a living wage three, four months after they leave the prison. We have we have a score of guys, scores of guys that have done that. And shout out to Forge Now, who's one of our partners, and Dallas College, who's another, who really work with us well in serving those men. But that work, the work does not happen without deep abiding relationship. The work does not happen without lovingly holding people accountable and staying with them when they struggle and celebrating them when they win. I love all this because, again, it's a long-term relationship. This isn't just like, okay, we're going to throw some money at you and, and hopefully you'll figure it out. It's like, okay, we. It's, what do they say? Uh, you can uh, give some people fish 
or you can teach them how to fish. That's right. That's right. And, and, and we, we, it's not just teach them how to fish. Let's teach them how to own the pond. There you go. You your own pond, and then you bring some others in and you teach them how to own the pond and they bring others. It's exponential. We do not live by the single pie theory. Mm-hmm. We believe there are multiple pies and more pies can be made. So there are slices for everyone. And the, the slices as large as you're willing to work at making your pies. So you can get as much of a pie as you want, as long as you're willing to work. But yeah, we do believe in leadership transformation does not happen overnight. Uh, the guys in prison, the people in our neighborhoods are young people. Mm-hmm. No one's gotten into those situations in a you know three month, one year, three year uh, time, most of the with the overwhelming majority. So we should have a long-term commitment to them as long as they're willing to work and work with us. We're speaking with Will McCall. He's the president and CEO of the Dallas Leadership Foundation, a nonprofit doing good all over the neighborhoods. And I was wondering how you got, you guys got credibility because I know we're just instant credibility. How do you get credibility in challenged communities? Because, you know, every, everybody, you got to kind of be on guard sometimes if you're, if you're growing up there and you say, okay, what, what what are you really up to? That that may be the first reaction to somebody that they may not know. Yeah, well, you know, let, let me use a word that you and I both know. You got to have receipts. That's it. And, uh, and and we have receipts because we're not the one telling others that we have credibility. We do not in our thirteen neighborhoods. We didn't go out and um, you know lobby. Maybe the first one mm-hmm. uh, twenty seven years ago, mm-hmm. but. We every other neighborhood has come at, by way of ref, uh, referral from another neighborhood leader. That's it. And so the neighborhood leaders are speaking for us. The youth are That's speaking it. for us in the schools. The guys in the prison speak for us. The guys when they get out, they speak up for us. So if you the the way to have the long term relationship is to bring tangible benefit. So if there's no tangible benefit then there's not likely to have a long-term relationship because even a guy like me who is a strong follower of Christ, I don't believe I'd be following Christ if I didn't first get the benefit of eternal life kind of sunk into my head. Mm -hmm. But once I got to the eternal life piece saying, okay, I can live forever with the Lord, all the other parts started making more sense to me. So serving others, bringing benefit, uh, uh, being sacrificial, uh, giving up time and talent and treasure, and then connecting with people that do that, and uh, controlling my, you know, my passion, my temper. All those things came after I understood that I had a benefit. And we, I think the Lord made us this way. We we are people who need benefits. So mm-hmm. it's not set up where, hey, we're just doing this because we're just all perfect, great people because we're not. But we are doing this because we have a call and we are doing this because we feel the invitation that we've had to call and serve here was a privilege based on what we've already received, knowing that we have this deep abiding relationship with the Lord. We want to create that pathway that and, and walk that journey with our brothers and sisters who are already in it. It's not like we're 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 bringing people in. We do bring people in, but there's a lot of people who are already in. We're just helping them see and enjoy the journey, see the flowers and the trees and the people, and also bring tangible benefit to them, which actually makes their lives better. You know, I'm always the the kind of person, I'm very empathetic because I think there's good in everybody's heart. It's just a matter of, you know, like you said, it's the receipts. It's, It's about, you know, just assuming there's some good there as opposed to, oh, that's a bad person or oh, I don't have time for you. I'm not the kind of person that, you know, does not look to engage with people. And so mm-hmm. with that being said, I know you've got stories. I've got stories, but I know you've got stories of people who either have impacted your life or people who have been through some things. And you said, you know what? I'm so proud to had had a part in or Dallas Leadership Foundation had a part in their transformation or a part of their growth or allow them to be the person that they wanted to be. Can you share one of those or two? Yeah. So, uh, gosh, I'm pretty clear his name is Tim, but it's a guy. I'll go to a guy in prison. Mm-hmm. And um, 
um, he, we're, we're I, I think, yeah, I don't even know if he's out yet. So I'm giving you a story that's still in process. In progress, okay. He came, he came in, had his struggles and everything, and he'd been through a lot. And he's turned into a leader. But not only has he turned into a leader, he's a comedian. Hmm. And last every Christmas, we have a talent show. And he got up and did a routine. And the routine was about his struggles. But that routine was hilarious, funny, uh, insightful, reflective. But what it did, I saw the joy that it brought to all the guys. And everybody that's watched it, it, it brought to me. Because I actually watched the video. I wasn't able to be at that that celebration. And so I see him leading there. And, he, you know, he had a rough past. We mm -hmm. to go through everything, but he did he did his share mm -hmm. of stuff. And now this is a guy who's in serving, loving and bringing joy to people. And he doesn't know how many people have seen the video shown it. I personally shown it to a few people and it brought them joy. And and so that's one that's one person. Then I'll go back out and I'll go out to say our neighborhood. I mentioned this this lady who has done it for literal, literally decades, and she's one of my mentors. And that would be Miss Willie Mae Coleman. Yes, I don't know sir. if you yes, know sir. that name, mm -hmm. but she's been out. She's she she tells her story back in the day. She you know kind of came up low income, went through being in the projects, housing projects, did all that stuff. Of course, she kind of got herself, got her life going well, got married, married a long time to Mr. J.D. Coleman, who was another kind of legend of South Dallas and uh, was shot, OK, in her house before, uh, not any fault of her home, but because of uh, violence. And then she decided to take back her neighborhood. Now, so she went and started taking back her neighborhood, got everything safe, uh, took a young guy like me, a lot of couple of decades ago on and and schooled me on how things worked and uh supported me and encouraged me but encouraged a whole south dallas area and became an advocate so when you're driving down um uh uh robert b column mm -hmm. uh, fair park and you see that um uh clinic that's right there mm -hmm. the, a big clinic she fought to do that along with the, the brother that truly uh, Donald Parrish, who's another phenomenal leader. Yes, I love Donald. Um, He's my guy. Yeah. And and so she did that work. She made the neighborhood safe. She made sure that Booker T, her and her husband, made sure that Booker T, Washington, you know, the famed school that mm -hmm. we all love, know and love, they have a long history. Well, you know, once it started getting a whole lot of fame, there, there was a strong, big money forces that were trying to change the name from Booker T, Washington. She took them on. Okay, That's when fantastic. when there's issues in South Dallas, when there's issues in the city, she'll talk to the mayor, she'll talk to city council, she will take on the school board, and she's an advocate for so many people that may or may not know her. So those are two heroes and just phenomenal people that uh, inspire me. That that is absolutely wonderful because it starts on the ground, and nowadays with social media. People call the those leaders you you mentioned those are influencers. That's what, you know yeah. <laughs> they have influence. They are influ They were influencers before influencers were a word, and that's right. what it takes. It really does take people. You mentioned Tim, who he's got a, a comedic gift. He's actually influencing people the same way as well in his own way, and that's like you know you said it takes all kinds of people to bring people together who have some kind of leadership skills, some kind of influence to help lift challenged communities. That's exactly it. And, but the one thing you, and I, I'm all down with social media. I you know, I have two sons, we mm -hmm. have two sons in their twenties and uh, they know how to work that way better than I do. Oh, I'm yeah. down. I love social media. I love young people. I love how they're getting things done. The thing that is missed from time to time and missed far too often. Those two people I just mentioned, and there's a whole, there's a plethora of others. It's still long-term relationships. It's not a video. It's right. not something that goes viral. Right. They have done relationships. They do the long-term. In long -term person. Work. In 
person. They understand the complexity of the situation, the person and their family's lives. Mm -hmm. And then they walk in with them creating solutions and not just a good you know, video that meets the right type of algorithm to go viral. You know, so while I think you're not on the same page with this, social media is a tool. It's not the end all. It's a tool to help get things done for you if used the right way. It's not the end all. You've got to have personal relationships. It doesn't replace personal relationships. And I'm not even talking about FaceTime. FaceTime does help, you know, on the Mm -hmm. phones. But still, you have to actually engage and interact with people. Give them a hug if you need to. uh, Share stories that are just not online or, like you said, not the cookie cutter uh, video or cookie cutter uh, posts. The algorithms match up and say, you know what, we're going to send this over and over and over and over again. It should be something, just a, a tool to help you, not the end all. I think we've got to make sure we, we, we pay attention to that. Are you right? Am I right? You're absolutely right. And also take advantage. Like you said, it's it's not an end. It's a means and it's an ex- excellent tool. And that's where I learned. We learn from young folks, mm-hmm. but we also have to have enough relationships to know we got to sit with them, too. Yep. Not, you know, throw hand grenades our young people who have all these innovative new ways that make us a little uncomfortable because we're a little slower now. I'm a little slower, not you. <laughs> I see you, but I'm a little slower now. I try to keep so up. I, I, I remember back in the day when I was a tech, you know, the, the, the technological yeah. person, and now I'm far from it. But I do, we do learn from one another, and it does happen best when there's abiding, deep abiding relationships. Exactly. And you mentioned... <laughs> Gen Z, the Gen Z is anybody under the age of like 24. And a lot of them, they are tech support for their family, for anybody mm-hmm. that's their father, their mother, their grandparents, their aunties. They're like, okay, they can they know how to work the uh, the flat screen TV or they know how to get online and they knew mm-hmm. they know how to do all the different videos and do the phones and set up everything for you. So they're tech support. But I always remind them, you guys may have the knowledge but your seniors have the wisdom. When I say seniors, I'm talking you about know. anybody over the age of 35. And this is the difference. They may know how to do all those tech things, but half of them can't write in cursive. I said it! <laughs> <laughs> so I always check them a little bit. <laughs> you know, Chris, Yeah, the, the, what just came up, I was on a retreat with our leadership team, mm-hmm. and they brought to my attention that the education system is now in history. They're not making them, or at least this is what they hear, that the education system is not pushing dates in history as much memorization because you can just look it up. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I didn't know that was a thing. I was shocked. That was, I just got that. That's very surprised, but I'm not surprised. I mean, it's surprising, but I'm not just shocked about it because in all seriousness, it's like, wait a minute, they're trying to, it's everything's being just, Fast forward, it's like instant gratification. Everything's got to happen quickly, you know, and it's like, okay, they know they can just Google search anything any on a search engine. They can find it. So I guess uh, they're not emphasizing as much, and maybe there's different ways to educate. But I, I keep thinking you got to just add to it. You know, I, I don't want to just give up on certain things. I want to just add to, you know, whatever the topic is. And history is my favorite subject, so I'm I'm somewhat offended by that if that's, if that's the way they're going. Yeah, well, I, 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 that's what I hear. It makes sense, just like cursive. And mm-hmm. and here's something that my mother would look at me, uh, because I use my phone so much. I don't know numbers. She remembers. She has everybody's number in her head. Yeah, that's a, that. That she got me on that one. <laughs> yeah, she's eighty four, and I, I can't remember. Uh, no, you know, I, I think I have my wife's number and her number. If I work at it, maybe my son's numbers, maybe, and maybe. my office number. And yeah, that's it. I'm with you. I, 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 I know my wife's number. My kids know my number. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. their numbers. Not off the top of my head. And that's a shame. But just like everything else nowadays, you're you're required to know passwords, too. And yes. so who can keep up with all the passwords, especially if you have to change one every six months in certain corporate jobs or if you have to have different ones and one password can't be for everything you have or you can get hacked. So you know, there's there's apps for that too. We just we just got to have the bandwidth in our in our brains to 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 be able to keep up with all these things. And I think there's a way, but nothing 
takes the place of personal interaction. And yeah. that's what I love about the Dallas Leadership Foundation because that's boots on the ground. That's You're there. You're there for people to turn to. Yeah, and we're there to learn. Mm-hmm. We are not the repository of all things brilliant. Correct. Um, our work is to go into the communities, go into schools, go into the prison, take notes, listen, and uh, and and then create an environment, bring resource, support, and maybe a strategy or two that will enhance and highlight and utilize the brilliance that we uh, receive from the people that we are called to serve. So let's refresh your memory on this thing. Transform Dallas. Tell mm-hmm. us about Transform Dallas, because I know that in, what, 1998, it used to start out as the City of Hope. Can you talk about what Dallas Leadership Foundation is doing with Transform Dallas and what that means for a lot of people? Yes, yes. And, gosh, uh, it started in 1998. Mm-hmm. It was City of Hope. So you did look that up. But in 98, it was Celebration of Hope. Ah, so and so and from celebration of hope, we did a couple. We did a neighborhood. We did a couple things at a time, and it was, you know, but it was big. I mean, they were doing major jobs. It was done very well, uh, and and started by the founder Kathy Dudley, and then you know we later on, kind of moved, she moved on, and we kept doing that, and then we moved it to City of Hope when I kind of took over, and we started doing several neighborhoods at a time. And a shout out to uh, Dallas Park System. That's where we started it. We started it okay. with several parks. And uh, we, we talked to, again, talking to people in neighborhoods, talking to our friends in the neighborhoods. Some of the parks back in the day were, you know, they could use a little touching up and just cleaning up. And mm-hmm. so we took on several parks. And I think that was probably in 2004, which went to City of Hope. We kept that going. And then uh, there was a hospital in Los Angeles that thought we were stealing their brand. So we had to stop. God bless them. But I thought no one's thinking of that place. But yeah, that was yeah, that's that's me. I, I got a little something. I got to let that go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was years ago. Let it go now. Let yeah, it go. Yeah, years, ago. years ago. But they're doing good work. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the work they're doing. And And then we moved to Transform Dallas. And uh, Transform Dallas, again, back to the pastors. We had a group of churches who had been doing work separately, and they were noticing just the divide in our city, in our country, in our uh, churches, in Mm -hmm. our theology, or just in the faith world, and said, hey, let's just bring a bunch of us together, and let's go out and do work. And they've seen us do that kind of work before and worked with a few churches and worked with a number of churches. So that's when we started Transform Dallas. And so, you know, a big shout out to uh, Concord and to Highland Park Press and the Friendship West Baptist Church and to Oak Cliff Bible and Preston Crest Church of Christ and Christ Community Church and a bunch of others, uh, uh, Baptista, Iglesia, First Baptist, Iglesia. They, you know, some started it, some are in it now. Mm-hmm. They said, let's work together and make a difference and show the church being relevant by bringing tangible benefit to people in and communities together. So that's how that got started. We had our work day this past June, mm-hmm. uh, the end of June, and we were in, I believe, five different neighborhoods. And uh, I, I'm sorry, we had somewhere around 40 plus projects that we did and had hundreds of volunteers. And it's just another great year of doing that work. And now it's expanded. We have younger people. We, we don't just paint, scrape and landscape. We are putting together uh, care packages for homeless and care packages for incarcerated and writing letters and, uh, you know, doing work in community centers and doing that kind of, there's a lot doing block parties. So all of that, is going on and to definitely encourage our uh, people in the city. And it's really to support the local leaders. So neighborhood leaders say we want it and we go in and the neighborhood knows it's being put on by the neighborhood 
association, not by the churches, mm -hmm. not by Dallas Leadership Foundation. Mm -hmm. So they can see the value of that local leadership and join in because that's a whole thing. That's a whole reason we're doing this is to create leaders that create more leaders that bring tangible benefit to their people. That's right. And take care of their own communities because each one is, is unique, just like you mentioned. Is, yeah. Since the school year started up, you know, it's September now, is there anything that you want to make sure we mention that you have going on with Dallas Leadership uh, Foundation this fall where people might be able to either volunteer, be a part of, or maybe partner with you guys? Yes. Um, I, I'm not sure. We There's a few things. Okay, go we ahead. We have a couple of golf tournaments coming up. Um, uh, all the teams may be sold. We have one. Uh, I'm so sorry. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's okay. Add this, but we'll go to, go to our website, dlftx.org. Mm -hmm. We have a tournament uh, in, uh, on September 28th. And then we have another one on October, I believe, 21st. And they support our work. And uh, the one on the 28th in particular is to support our work in our leadership centers. In our leadership centers, we have um, uh, you were a part of uh, christening and, uh, and, and bringing a computer center and uh, a meeting a room for our leadership center in South Dallas that was given to us by the Mavericks and Chime. So again, thank mm -hmm. you for that. And um, we also have boxing there. Yep. And we're going to expand to golfing. So okay. we're, we're working in golf simulators. So we need volunteers to help. We need uh, golfers that want to do mentoring through golf. Uh, so we would love to have people take a look and reach out to us that have an interest in doing that. We are starting in uh, schools where we work in um, Berkner and Richardson, uh, Madison High School in South Dallas, Dunbar in South Dallas Elementary, and we're starting at Dade Middle School. So we can use volunteers to work with us there. We've already done the back to school packs with uh, our communities. We partnered with our friends at TR Hoover mm -hmm. earlier this year and the mayor, there's a, a number of them. And, Rosemont apartments. So we have a lot that we've done in getting kids ready. Now we need the volunteers. So if you want to volunteer at the boxing gym to help there, if you want to volunteer in fitness to help there, if you want to volunteer in the computer lab, in the learning lab, help there, or uh, they can also volunteer uh, and be a mentor in the high school with us. And again, that website is? DLFTX.org. Just think Dallas Leadership Foundation, Texas.org, DLFTX.org. He is Will McCall, the president and CEO of Dallas Leadership Foundation, a nonprofit doing big things in the community. Thanks again for joining us, Will. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. You're a great friend and a great man that's about our city and making it better. So thank you for that work. And joining us now is Mr. Tommy Habib. He's the executive director of the Forever Family Rescue Foundation and a longtime friend. The mission of the foundation is to find animal lovers permanent homes. Find the animals a permanent homes, a loving and permanent home. This nonprofit was created in partnership with the nationally syndicated television show about rescue dogs called To the Rescue. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? Chris, it's so good to uh, talk to you today. Thanks so much for having me on and, and letting me get on my platform and preach a little bit about uh, rescue and, and saving puppies and, and all the important things in life. Well, let's, let's talk about it. In fact, uh, it's perfect timing because there's a, there's a benefit, benefit golf tournament going on actually today. Today is Sunday. So tell me about this golf tournament, the benefit. So anybody wants to get out there while they can. They can know that information, and I want to get into how you actually started this foundation because it's such a great cause. Man, I appreciate it. Yes, today 
That's what's really fun is we're out here at Las Colinas Country Club. And so people can come out and watch because we have lots of celebrities out here. You know, one of my uh, dear friends, and you know him, obviously, Chris, too, Michael Young. He's mm-hmm. teeing it up with us out here. Uh, Texas Ranger, great. Yes, Nick Van Axel. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got uh, a bunch Maverick, of Dallas Former Cowboys. Maverick, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be it's actually a lot of fun out here today. And I've set up something really, really cool. So, uh, in fact, uh, we're going to have some fun with you. You're going to you're uh, coming out this afternoon, too, because I've set up a little kind of par three chipping challenge. It's 90 yards. And even if you didn't play in the tournament, folks, you guys can come out right now and compete in this. It's going to start about four o'clock. And, and and our wonderful Chris Arnold is going to be calling the action along with Billy Davis, Cowboy great, two-time Super Bowl. He got two rings. Yeah, too, from the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> but Billy's my yeah, guy. So Billy, Billy's going to get on the mic with us, and you and me and Billy, and, and people can come out for $25, take a shot at this closest to the pin, and it's going to – we're going to get everybody to come take a shot at us and win some big prizes. I know round table pizza stepped up and, and they're giving away a big, uh, uh, a dinner, you know, for like 10 of your friends. And there's uh, several other restaurants giving away on this closest to the hole. You don't necessarily have to be in the tournament, but if you are, you can, uh, uh, in the tournament, you get a shot at it too. Or if you just want to come out and meet some celebrities, and and join the fun and the cause. We have some puppies out there too, Chris. Oh, that's awesome. So we're, gonna have, we're gonna have dogs that uh are looking for their forever home, some wonderful little puppy dogs. Uh so we're hitting golf balls, we're rescuing dogs, and have you ever played pickleball? Of course I play pickleball. That's the that's the biggest craze in America today. I mean it's crazy. It's just like so we are going to have a pickleball tournament as well. So you don't Look just out. have to play golf, but if you play pickleball, we've got a pickleball challenge. And it all starts about 1 o'clock in the afternoon uh, at Las Colinas Country Club. And you come out and support uh, the Forever Family Rescue Foundation. It means so much. But also, uh, it's it's wonderful what the invited clubs are doing and, and doing this for us and, and making us their their charity. Oh, uh, so you're talking about with Club Corps, which is now called? Yes. It used to be Club Corps. It's mm-hmm. now the Invited Clubs. Okay. And so they're all working together with Forever Family Rescue and, and doing different kinds of things. And what I love about Forever Family Rescue, and again, taking care of the puppies, taking care of the animals, you're working together with public uh, shelters, volunteers, rescue organizations, and raising awareness for animal rescue. Tommy, how long have you been doing this with the foundation, this nonprofit? Because I think it's such a great idea, and I know how much you love little puppies, and on how your family loves puppies, and you're trying to match everybody up. Yeah, you know what? So I, I'm I'm going to go back a little bit if I can. Sure. So some you know decades ago, uh, as an actor, I've had so many wonderful opportunities to support causes uh, around the country, and people have asked me to do things and. And I remember multiple decades ago, the SPCA LA called my publicist and said, "Hey, listen, would Tommy be willing to to do a do a rescue?" And and so I went and and participated, and uh, and it meant so much to me because they go, you know, you have a following, and you can bring cameras and maybe some other celebrity friends, and and uh, and then so uh, they then asked me, and this is the funniest thing, Chris. They go, "Listen, would you?" be interested in hosting co-hosting our SBC a telethon with Betty White not just <laughs> oh what? my goodness she's a treasure she's the late great Betty White she's a national treasure she's a national treasure what am I gonna do say no to, to Betty White of course that's like a dream I mean mm-hmm. you know back you know when I got started as a young kid you know and wanted to be an actor it was because of actors like Betty White and Bing Crosby and mm-hmm. Fred Astaire and Dean Martin and so the chance to actually get to work with a legend was you know a dream come true so obviously I did and and you know Betty used to uh take me and and teach me about rescue 
and take me to these situations away from the telethon. You know, once is we did that it, right? You know, it was so amazing. And, and really she, um, you know, drilled in me and, and I didn't even have to drill in me, but really gave me the understanding of what life is right for these animals and, and some of the desperate situations they're in. And so what was really fantastic for me, and I wish I, uh, had this epiphany earlier, but, uh, it times, you know, just happen. And, and, uh, about five years ago, I, uh, was with a friend of mine having dinner and his wife did dog rescue and she's telling me these stories. And I went, all right, it's time. You know, I have a huge platform with millions of people around the country. I need to use that to, to do something I love so much. So I started developing the show to the rescue. And, and I remember I called Betty and I said, listen, we're, I'm going to do this. And she was so excited because that's fantastic. And listen, I can't, really travel a lot. I said, it's okay. We're filming all over the country and we're going to come to California and we'll film out there. And, and, and she goes, oh, you know, I'm so proud and happy you're doing this. And that comments so much. And, but, you know, launching a TV show takes time. Mm -hmm. And my sweet spot is syndicated television. And so uh, it, it takes it a little bit longer. So it took about a year and a half to get all the stations around the country cleared. And we started production and I called up, uh, Betty, because it was time I was going to call in this, you know, because, you know, she's the one that inspired me. Right. So it would mean so much for her to be on an episode. And 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 I couldn't reach her. And about a month later, I heard back from her assistant and they said, Tommy, you know, she's just not doing that well. And and it just didn't work out uh, that Betty could ever be on an episode. But one of the the things that made meant the most is that she knew right yes. that we were carrying on that's right this amazing she was the inspiration you know. yes yes and so um i loved her to death and she was an amazing woman and made such an impact across the country you know when she passed away they said you know just give everybody give in betty's name to a local rescue now i film at rescues all over the country i mean literally sorry about that literally hundreds and hundreds of rescues mm -hmm. and every one of them got just flooded with hundreds of thousands of dollars all over the probably there were millions and millions of dollars raised in betty's name and i mean talking about inspirational in every rescue you know you say betty's white's name and oh yeah they're going She's made a difference in all of our lives. Can you talk it's, about the the rescue dogs themselves? Because you, like you said, you do so many different stories. There's got to be one, and and tell people, you know, about rescue dogs. Because a lot of people might have heard about rescue dogs, but they don't really know. Yeah, they don't. And what's really fascinating, and people think, oh, you know, I want this breed of dog, or I want this dog, and and I got to go pay for it, and you don't have to pay for it. No, I mean, there is any kind of dog you want. You can get as a rescue. If you just take a minute, just please don't go down to your, you know, your pet store, your Walmart parking lot, because those dogs are, are part of these, these underground breeders. Ah, uh, the puppy mills. Do, yes. They do such horrible things to these dogs. And I, listen, I've had to, you know, we've been part of these rescues where there's, we've raided puppy mills and literally hundreds. And, and when you see the situation they put these dogs through, it's so sad. And many of them never leave their crate They're They just out long enough to get, you know, pregnant with another one of the mm -hmm. dogs. And, and then they're, you know, walking on wire cages and it's just so sad. And what's really horrible is, and, and I hate to bring us down like this because we're talking about such positive things, but this is the facts and the truth and that you need to know you've got to make a difference people out there if you if you care and you want a dog you get a rescue dog because the, these dogs they inbreed them mm -hmm. and because they do whatever it is to make their dollars is the sad part and they right. they act like it's about the love of the dog but it's nothing about the love of the dog and when those dogs start coming out deformed and not perfect well then they just throw them away Literally, yeah. I mean, we can't, can't tell you how many dogs have been taken out of dumpsters and out of bags, just thrown off in the street. 
Uh, it's so sad. So we want to, we really want to wipe out these puppy mills around the country and, and, and as well as these kill shelters, you know, I was just in Ennis, Texas last week mm-hmm. and met with the mayor and some really wonderful people in Ennis, Texas. And they're telling me this story about, you know, one neighbor called the, the, the police department goes, what do we do? There's five dogs out here running wild because they just dump them. And, and they go, well, we don't have a shelter. We don't have anything. So just shoot them. And I'm going, what the hell are you talking no. about? Just shoot them. And of course, we're not going to shoot them. So the wonderful people of Ennis, we're going we're gonna to get together and we're going to go there and we're going to put up a To the Rescue and Forever Family Shelter and uh, working with the mayor and some of the wonderful businesses there. That is a, that's, a, you know, high priority. You know, we're a national organization. So we have stuff going on in Florida, California, and all over the country, but this is our backyard. Mm-hmm. And and it makes me North so Texas. crazy that this close, right? Mm-hmm. To Dallas. And they do that kind of thing. There's no shelter. So we're going to build one and uh, no more of this. Let's, uh, um, just shoot them. I mean, we, you know, we believe in no kill shelters, uh, because here in the South and sorry, I'm rambling on, but you no, 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 this is interesting information. A lot of people don't know this. Yeah. You in the South, there's so much, uh, summertime, Mm -hmm. right? The weather's warmer. The breeding season goes on for dogs and cats all year long. It's never stops. We're up North. They, the breeding season is one time then the weather just doesn't allow for it. And there's not a lot of dogs running wild in the North. So we, we transport all over the country, you know, all these rescues, thousands of dogs uh, up North because they're one of them. The families want these wonderful, lovable pets. And uh, which is really a godsend because when you watch these families as you know, I remember we brought a, a transport from Southern Georgia up to Philadelphia. And, and when we pulled in, you know, there was all these families just waiting and these kids and we offloaded 200 sweet pups. And when you watch the faces as these kids, it didn't matter what kind of dog it was. Yeah. They just, they just wanted to be loved up. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, uh, I was just talking one of my dear friends, which is amazing in rescue and it's Kathy Bissell from the Bissell pet foundation. You know, they do the vacuum cleaning. Oh, okay. They do amazing work for, for rescue. And if you ever buy and hope you will a Bissell vacuum, you'll see on every box it has a rescue dog with a story. And it's, it's really wonderful, but she was, uh, I'm working on a deal with her. She was telling me about, you know, this, uh, big puppy mill that they they're busting actually several of them up mm-hmm. North and, uh, or out East. And they, they have all these, wonderful like smaller dogs but but very expensive breeds and so there's you can get anything any kind of dog you want if you just if you just take a minute yeah and you look for it or come go to, online yes go online to us to the rescue and 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 ask us say listen i'm looking for this dog this breed we're actually uh gonna launch a a uh, a new website called rescue finder and all of our rescues across the country, we're having them upload dogs. So, so you can see any, listen, sure. I, it doesn't matter what breed you can, you can find them uh, as a rescue and do some really good uh, for, for this big mission, because it's so sad when these dogs get, have to get put down. It's not their fault. No, we're talking with no. Tommy Habib. He's a longtime friend, but he's of course, you probably know him uh, from his acting career, his his career hosting a variety of different shows that he created, including Cheaters, including To the Rescue. And we were talking about the Forever Family Rescue nonprofit that you created as well. So after you were doing To the Rescue, I, I'm sure it was the natural evolution to come up with Forever Family Rescue, but when did that particular phase of this thing start? And, and I, I'm sure so, it's been so rewarding for you. It truly has, you know, um, and I'm going to get to that question here in just a second, but I do have to tell you, 
I've literally been on television for 45 years. Oh my goodness. Time flies. Lordy. (laughs) And I'm only 28. (laughs) Exactly. How did you? Yeah. (laughs) The aging process. Yeah. You know what? You get the Benjamin button thing, right? Yes. I'm going backwards for the love (laughs) of God. Um, The amazing thing is, is uh, I don't know. I mean, a, a thousand hours of broadcast television and, and about all the wonderful shows I've been a part of, and there's been some neat stuff we've done, you know, some wonderful sitcoms back in the eighties, but uh, nothing comes anywhere close to doing to the rescue. This is truly the best work I've ever done. The most inspiring and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you work with these dogs and you, you know, our very first episode, this sweet little dog was in a kill shelter in San Antonio, Texas. Hondo, we named him Hondo. He was so, so cute. But he was in his in his uh, cage there. And he was going to be put down today, that day. And we're going by. And there was no way this dog would ever get adopted. He was beat up. He had mange. He was bleeding. He was just in horrible shape. He didn't, couldn't even move. And I remember uh, taking Hondo and we said, okay, we, we've got to rescue this dog. He doesn't deserve being here. Um, it was so powerful and so emotional. And to take a dog that was literally in 30 minutes was going to be put down and then to put him in his forever home, you know, six months later mm-hmm. when he's got all his hair, he mm-hmm. didn't have any hair all his hair and just his little tails wagging. And that was that stress. Him. No hair. And he's yeah. he was stressed. He's living up in Oklahoma on a ranch, having the time of his life, That's which he great. should be. You know, um, one last story I'll tell you, because it was a, sure. it was a good one. I remember there was a dumping ground that we went to and there was this big dirt hill. And, you know, you're, we're going into situations where these dogs haven't been touched by a human. And, you know, many of them have just, been born in the wild and they don't you know they're not that good with people and you gotta you gotta be worried because you know they could they could lash out oh yeah they don't they're afraid them. and they're afraid and i remember uh my crews all around we see this you know head poke up over this dirt mound and i i just sat down in the dirt and this dog starts coming over and i had a little i had some kibble in my hand and and he comes cruising over and out the cameraman and everybody's backing up. And I went, they're going, we should just, you know, put the food down and just, just see what happens. And I went, no way. And I sit there and that pup just crawls up in my lap Aww. and, you know, and I'm going, this is what it is. This is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just rips your heart out. Um, do you mind if I tell you one last one? Because sure. so many we got time. This yeah. One, this one was powerful. I was in Detroit at Detroit Dog Rescue, and in Detroit was a mess back in the early 2000s. They didn't have, they only had kill shelters, no, no kill shelters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this wonderful woman started Detroit Dog Rescue, and they're, they're a non-kill shelter, and they take dogs out of the kill shelters. Uh, but we're in there filming, and it's about 5 o'clock the end of the day, and we're wrapping up production and boom, the door opens up and there's this police officer comes in and he's got this bull terrier draped over his arms and there's blood dripping off this dog. And he goes, you know, we were just in a big firefight with a guy in his car and he got shot up and he's gone. You know, they wheeled him away to the hospital or whatever. And we're mm-hmm. about to tow the car. And in the back of the car was this, we just saw a, a, a a blanket and the blanket was moving and we moved it. And there was this puppy dog under there and I call them all puppy dogs. He was about a year old mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and he couldn't really move much. And I'm looking at this dog and there's this guy, this piece of trash had burned the pads off the dog's feet, no with metal objects and burned his arms and, and this sweet dog. And if you go, if you go to my, Instagram, there's some pictures of him, but this sweet pup, they lay him down on the ground. He just crawled up, kind of got up on his feet. I don't know how he was standing on those pads, but uh, just nuzzled his head up under my arm and snuggled up to me. And I'm going, 
are you kidding me? This dog has been abused for God knows how long. He's been burned and is just bleeding. And he still just wants to give love to a human being. Wow. That's an amazing story. Yeah, if that doesn't change your life, Chris, I don't know. Exactly. Um, This, like I said, you've got so many stories. And like I said, because you've been at all these different, you know, rescues, the offshoot had to be the creation of Forever Family Rescue. What has been the reaction and what year did you start the Forever Family Rescue? Because I know there's so many people turning to that, that organization now. There they are. And um, so, you know, when we started this show, we knew, I mean, my goal was to, to have this mission, right? And it was a natural thing. So immediately that same year, you know, we started Forever Family Rescue Foundation. And I mm-hmm. said, listen, I want to, I want to build a national organization that's about, we don't want to be in competition with rescues. We want to help we want to help shelters and rescues. So our goal was to go and, and help funding and help feed, give food and supplies because we have a massive audience, right? right. Millions of people that watch our show. And so we're saying, listen, come give and let us help these other shelters. And we bring, you know, on our show, you'll see we feature these rescues and go, listen, here's how you help them. And we want to give them give them light. And so people can see the wonderful work they do. And, and so it's kind of transformed. And uh, as I've been doing the show, I've, I've seen this magic work happen. You know, we shot an episode about this wonderful family where the daughter had been suffering from, uh, from autism. Mm-hmm. And she was on the spectrum and they couldn't figure it out. And uh, she was 19 years old. Their lives were in a mess she had tried to commit suicide multiple times. She had no relationship with her parents. She couldn't keep a job. Well, the mom brought a dog home and she got together with this puppy dog and they were training the dog and the dog and this girl became, you know, best friends. And it changed her life because she couldn't hug her parents, but she could hug that dog. Wow. And now today they moved from Virginia to Utah. She now has a thriving, successful doggy daycare and phospus in Camas, Utah. And she, her whole, her, all her family works with it. Mm-hmm. And she's got this amazing business. And this pup, this puppy changed her life. She couldn't function before. Now she talks to dogs and she takes care of them and she brings in the dogs and her phospus, any dog that's handicapped, they bring it in. So it's just magic that really happens. And, and so the, uh, and I've done several more on autism and the president of the autism society of America called me up and said, listen, we, this is amazing work you're doing. And, you know, can you come be a spokeswoman? Will you help and work with us? And of course, and it made so much to, you know, to me to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And then I saw these veterans as we're filming episodes, right? Of mm-hmm. these guys training these dogs to be uh, to help veterans with PTSD, and and the joy and the opportunity to watch the these veterans that were suicidal one day, and then they they met their service dog, and today they're living thriving lives. You know they couldn't they couldn't even leave their house, and with their with their dog their service dog by their side. Now they're going out and they're working and having a normal functioning life as normal as it could be. So we've, we've changed our mission a little bit too, or mm-hmm. we've added initiatives to the forever family rescue foundation. And, you know, we partnered with a group in, in uh, San Antonio. They have a, a um, rehabilitation facility for drug alcohol and veterans with PTSD and, individuals and they've given us some land and we're building a sanctuary there. So we're going to bring in these dogs that are in trouble and they're going to work with veterans in trouble. Right. Right. And then they can get paired up. Uh, and then I work with a group out in Temecula, California, the patriotic service dogs and, and uh, Tom Tackett out there is doing amazing work. And I said, Tom, let's partner and, and let's, so I'm working on buying this land right next to him and we're teaching 
uh, we want to teach veterans, right, that want to learn how to train dogs to be service dogs. And so uh, these partnerships and these relationships that we're building through Forever Family Re uh, Rescue Foundation, you know, our, our big goal is to, to rescue more dogs. And if we can rescue humans at the same time, can you imagine? Oh, man. In fact, what you are doing right now is changing lives. He is Tommy Habib, and he's, of course, more than just an actor, more than just a producer. He's also a very empathetic and giving person and saving lives and changing lives with the rescue animals. The Forever Family Rescue. Again, thank you, Tommy, for joining us today. Oh, Chris, it means so much to me to be able to, to just if one two people can hear my message. I'm out on the street corner screaming it, but with you, you're giving me thousands of people that can listen. So it means so much for you to open up your platform for us to be able to tell our story and just go to, to the rescue. I mean, uh, either to the rescue tv.com, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, or forever family rescue.org, uh, or come be part of our event, Las Colinas country club today. That's right. Say thanks, Tommy. And thank you all for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody.